Lord, we commit this word to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you, you take complete control. I yield myself completely to you. I pray that you touch people's ears now and their hearts to, to hear the word and to receive it, Father God. And I pray that it will bear fruit in their lives, Father God. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, now, it's feeling lonely up here, so you guys are going to help me preach. I'm not just going to stand here and you, just, you guys just sit and listen. So it's going to be a very interactive session. So let's start with this first question. Who here will say that God is a liar? Yes, who will say that? It's not a trick question. Who will say God is a liar? Circumstances, okay. So if no one is feeling bold enough to say God is a liar, why is it that sometimes we don't believe his word? And if we say we believe, why is it that we don't act as if we believe? Because if you think about it logically, if his word, if he's not a liar, that means his word is true. And if his word is true, it is true. We just need to believe it and hold on to it. Does that make sense? All right. So let me give you a couple of examples of where, you know, the Bible says that, you know, Matthew 18, 3, and Jesus was talking, he says that unless we become like little children, we'll not enter into the kingdom of God. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but little children, they believe. You say this to them, and they believe it. And they just take it. It's not that they're gullible. It's just that they're really trusting. If you say something, they think this is it. So I'll give you two examples. One day I was sitting with um, one of my sons in the bedroom. And he said to me, Mama, you have the power of Jesus, don't you? And you think, yeah, 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 of course I do. He said, Mama, then turn me into God. (laughs) So, okay, so clearly he's getting a revelation that I am not. That he just believes that because I have the power of Jesus... I can do anything, therefore I can turn him into God. And equally, another time, you know, with kids, certainly for mothers, and I'm sure fathers will say they have the same thing, sometimes you just have a sense that your child is doing something wrong. You know, you, you can have your back towards them, you can be in a different room, but you just have, am I the only one? You just have that sense that this child is up to something. So I told them that I have eyes behind my back at the back of my head, but you can't see it because of the hair. So um, one of my sons obviously believed it. It made sense because sometimes he'll trick me. He'll say, okay, well, mama, what am I doing now? And somehow I'll just manage to, you know, he'll go behind me. I'll try and just say, okay, I know you're doing this. I'll be a bit vague. But enough for him to think, yeah, mama has eyes behind her back. She can see him. So there's no point doing certain naughty things because she will know. So there was a day we were walking out of the bedroom and I, um, I didn't realize he was following me. So I shut the door and I shut his finger. And he started crying. He was so upset. He was like, Mama, you lied to me. You said you could see behind your back. You should have seen me. I thought, oh my God. <laughs> so actually from time I realized, okay, some of these things are not so cute. You know, don't lie to them. <laughs> so then later I explained to him, I was like, okay, well, it's not that I have eyes behind my back. But what I do have is the Holy Spirit within me. And the Holy Spirit reveals what you are doing, but not the eye that I have eyes behind my back. So, <laughs> my message is um, titled, as they've been putting it up, The Power Within and Without. 
the power within being the Holy Spirit within us and the power without being the word of God. But I thought before we get into it, you know, you've all said that you don't think God is a liar, but I thought it'd be useful to at least, let's first of all establish the veracity of God's word. And then based on that foundation, we can, we can go into the rest of the message. So turn with me to Numbers 23 verse 19. Numbers 23:19 And it says God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent has he said and will he not do Then let's look at Luke 21 verse 33 We're just going to go through a few scriptures but I think it's important for us to <clears throat> to just get it within ourselves that you know if, if he says it, he will do it. His word is true. And his word is not dependent upon our situation. His word is not dependent on how we feel. His word is just true. And that is what it is. So Luke 21, 33. It says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And that means when he has said something, it's not, you know, you know they say God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not like his word was appropriate for Moses' time, but it's no longer relevant. Or, you know, when we're talking about, you know, operating under the anointing to perform miracles, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, etc., etc. It's not like, oh, it worked for those people in Acts, but it doesn't work today. It's like, my word, nothing will pass away. It is all true. And then, um, and the last one on this is Psalm 138, verse 2. Psalm 138, verse 2. And the psalmist was saying, he said, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. We know how powerful the name of Jesus is. We know how powerful the name of God is. You know, Jehovah, it means I am, the I am, the I am. But yet he is saying that above his name... His all-powerful name, the name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. He has magnified his word above that. You know, we're getting a sense of quite how unchangeable his word is and how true and how powerful. So let's start with um, talking about, you know, situations in life. If his word is true, then it means that we have victory in our lives. Does that make sense? It means that, you know, I just loved it, the song, you know, the king dwells within us. We are a victorious people. And the great thing is, we're not just victorious in one situation. It's like, ah, I have victory over healing, but poverty, that one has mastered me. No, we have victory over each and every situation in life. And, you know, this thing is becoming more and more true to me. And I've Concluded, you know, when sometimes you have a situation and initially you just get frazzled and worried and stuff like that. I've told myself, okay, no, no, no. This is another opportunity to rise up. You know, every challenge, I'm just going to rise above that challenge. And when I rise above that challenge, it just means I personally am getting higher and higher. Because we, he said to us that 2,000 years ago, he purchased our victory. 
when Uche was looking over my shoulder yesterday, um, so I was just finalizing, it's like, ha, scripture, scripture. So bear with me, I have scriptures. <laughs> John 16, verse 33. And just taking it from here, it says, In the world you will have tribu- tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, I don't know about anyone, but I find that so reassuring that, you know what, it's not that troubles won't come. It's not that we won't face challenges, but he has overcome the world. First John um, um, 2.15, you don't need to go to that. It goes on to say that we are strong and the word of God abides in us and we have overcome the wicked one. So we know that God has overcome the wicked one. Christ has overcome the wicked one. We have overcome the wicked one. Such is the power that we have within us. Such is is the authority. You know, Pastor Carlton talked um, a couple of weeks ago about the authority that we have. Um, Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. You can just make a note of some of these. It says, God has given us victory through Christ. So, you know, guys, we we just, I was going to say, we need not fear. Then I just looked and I saw that's the the next scripture. (laughs) Isaiah 59, 19. Turn with me to that one. See, I went to Pastor Carlton's Bible school many years ago, so I'm sure you can understand why that scripture is very important. He said to us that, I remember at the time, it's like, if you're going to pray or you're going to speak with authority, say to Satan, you must know the scripture, because otherwise Satan will say, ah, so where is that from? And then you might get intimidated. So that's why I'm just giving you the scripture, because I said that, you know, we'll talk about it later, but that is the power without. It is the word of God that we need to hold on to when we face a lot of situations. So Isaiah 59 verse 19. And it says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. When the enemy comes... And the reality is the enemy will come. You know, let's not kid ourselves, you know. And it sometimes, depending on your background and what you've been exposed to, you know, for example, you know, some people who are like real ajabotas, you know, some people say, in fact, I'm not sure if they're Satan, demons, absolutely not, etc., etc. Well, in fact, I can amuse you with this. When I was living in England, my mom used to send me some of these mountain of fire prayers. And I just used to think, you know, where is she coming from? You know, I just, I just could not relate to you know, binding and casting and dealing with all these things. And you just think, ah, this mommy don't come again. You know, my mom has come again. Even Uche is like, sometimes if I forward him a certain email, I think, okay, I know where that came from. Sister Clara, Sister Clara. (laughs) But when I came to Nigeria, ha, let me not lie. Last Saturday, I was at Power Must Change Hands because power must change hands. (laughs) Power has to change hands. Now, when he says the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him, that's to say that God will put him to flight. God will chase him away. That's what it means. God will chase him away. Chase him away for us. Because he loves us so much. Because he cares for us so much. That the enemy really should not be fronting up to us. The only reason he fronted, you know, he's literally chancing us. Because sometimes we don't know who we are and we're not standing up and taking our position. He will chance us. 
And if he sees that we, you know, we just fall or, you know, just cower at him, then he'll keep coming. But the minute we stand up and say, the Lord is, uh, with the Lord, I rebuke you. The spirit of the Lord is against you. Poverty, I speak to you, depart now in the name of Jesus. When we remember the authority that we have in us and speak with that authority, then the enemy cannot stand against us. We just need to appropriate our victory. Now, how do we appropriate our victory? I talked about the power within and the power without. The power within is the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells within you? Now, guys, we need, sometimes with some of these things, we need to pause and think about it. Think of God who created the heavens and the earth, who tells the stars where to position themselves, who tells the sea thus far and no further, but yet can tell the sea, part, because my people need to go. The God who created the trees, the mountains, the seas, the valleys. The God who created you and I. That God, his spirit, his very essence. Because if you think about it, his spirit is his essence. It's his very being. It lives within me and it lives within you. You know, the word dwells there is the Greek word oikeo, which means to occupy, to reside, to remain, to inhabit. That means you and I, we are the habitation of God. You know, in the Exodus and, you know, in the Old Testament, they used to go around with the sanctuary. They used to go around with with the temple. Well, so do you and I, but this is the temple. This body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we need to take time to meditate on this truth. And the reason that this... God dwells within us. It's not that because we're awesome or we're so fantastic. No, it's because he is awesome. And he has chosen us. You know, I love that song when it said, you know, he sees the depths of my heart and he loves me the same. Ah, it's like, Lord, accepted. It's like, you know, you know I'm not perfect, but you love me the same. You know I am not perfect, but you still dwell within me. You still choose to live within me. And you still say to me that I should fear not. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. And not because I always get it right. Not because sometimes I don't actually fear. But because of who he is. And you know, if we go around with that understanding that actually God dwells within me. Think of how we'll carry ourselves. Think of the boldness we'll have, some of the places we'll go to, some of the things we'll say, some of the decisions we'll make. Not because of us, to be honest, I'm up here, not because of me. It's just it's like, okay, Holy Spirit, I know you are here. I know you are the one who's going to do it. You know, if, it's, if you left it up to me, I couldn't do it. But the Holy Spirit, you will enable me to do what I need to do. Let me give you an example. Um, on Thursday, we had um, at work we had a presentation to uh, the board of the bank. Um, this a project we've been working on. And this was the final closeout you know, presentation 
full board. So far, we'd been working with a board committee. You know, we'd been presenting to the board committee. But this time was full board. And, you know, I'm sure some of you know, not all boards are, first of all, unified. We know that not everyone was happy we won the mandate. That, to be honest, that winning that mandate, that one was just God. Because the person, the, the firm we were up against, it was a real David and Goliath type situation. But somehow, God did it. We got the mandate. We did it. We worked hard. We worked hard. We worked hard. Now, you know, I've been presenting to the, um, the committee, but one of my other colleagues had not been presenting, you know, well, in fact, I think she'd only presented once, etc. But what I did was I just started speaking to her. We started encouraging ourselves, you know, speaking the word. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath, you know, really confessing it and just believing that don't worry. The Holy Spirit is within you. We went, we did that presentation. The board clapped. At the end, the chairman was like, you people, the value of the work you did surpasses the amount we're paying you. And it's like, Father God, thank you. We know that it's not, it's not us. You know what I mean? It's just because of the power that is within. And when we just yield to it, I th- I'm sure I, th- I gave the testimony some time ago when I found myself with a real st- sticky situation at work when, you know, on the face of it, it was all going very wrong. But I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you know, show me what we need to do. That's the power that we have within us. And we need to tap into it. We shouldn't just leave it there dormant. We need to recognize what we have within us. Ephesians verse three, sorry, Ephesians chapter three, verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. According to what? According to, and he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. You know, it talks about our inner man strengthened with might. Sometimes we will feel weak. We'll feel weak physically. We'll feel weak emotionally. We'll feel weak just in all ways, the, the whole works. But then we can hang on to a scripture like this and ask that the the Holy Spirit strengthen our inner man, fill us with might, fill us with power, with ability. And then verse um, 17 says, Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. Now I was thinking about it, hang on, if Christ dwells in my heart, that means my heart should be full of peace, of joy, of hope, of grace? Should my heart have worry, anxiety, fear? That means, because light and darkness, if you think about it, light and darkness cannot dwell together. That means if there's fear and anxiety, in fact, those things are trespassers. They have no right in my heart 
Because Christ dwells in my heart. And we should not encourage them. We should not allow them to come and, and take root and feel too comfortable in our hearts. We should re- remind our heart that actually, um, heart, Christ dwells within you. Therefore, peace. Have hope. Have hope. Now, if, let's paint a scenario. You go away for a few days. You know, maybe you go and visit relatives, travel for a wedding to somewhere. And you come back and there's squatters in your house. What would you do? And this time, I I want answers. What would you do if if you come back and there's squatters in your house? So you will not just allow these squatters to come and take control. You will not be peeping through the window and saying, hey, yay, there's squatters in my house. I now have to go and find somewhere else to live. It cannot happen. So why, oh, why do we allow squatters such as fear and anxiety and worry and insecurity, these foul squatters, they're not even clean squatters, foul squatters, messing up our homes, our homes being our hearts. Why do we allow them? We should chase them out. It might not be area boys, but we'll chase them out. We'll we'll talk about how we'll chase them out later. But we should not allow them. Now, Ephesians, um, the verse 20 He's talking about according to the power that works within us. That power, okay, now let's, let's test. We were here a few weeks ago and Pastor Carlton talked about power and said there were two sorts of powers. So who remembers? Who was listening? And who went home to meditate on the word so knows exactly the two types of powers that, that you know, in the... Um, in, this, in, the, in Greek, there are two different words. You don't need to give me the Greek word, but at least the, the different meanings. No, no, come on, guys. Uh-huh. And what does dunamis mean? Ability. Thank you very much. And what's the other power? Ha! Ha! Good on you, yes. So there's the authority and there's a dunamis. The word here, so we, I'm sure we can work out what, what word is used here, is actually dunamis, which means ability, it means might, it means strength. So according to the ability that works within us, according to the strength that works within us, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far, 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 far. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's um, just flip two chapters forward, Ephesians 1. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. 
So the power that is at work within us is the same power. It's not a different power. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. We all know that ordinarily death is death is death. You need a special kind of power. Not just to raise, you know, most when what we hear about now when, you know, someone, you know, they raise, come back from the dead. They come back to the dead and stay on earth. They're not raised to heaven. They're not seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers. But the power that raised Christ and took him there, positioned him there to rule and reign and also positioned us up there with him because he said, if you think about it, that he put, okay, I didn't read that, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. If all these things are under his feet and we are his body, that means all these things are under us. Now that is the power. I'm just trying to get you to see the, the magnificence, the, the, the bigness, even though it's not a word, how, the, how mighty the power that is within us is. It's the same power. It's not a different power. Now, if you look at it, if Christ had not come down to earth, he wouldn't have been able to demonstrate that power in his living, you know, on his day-to-day life. He needed to come to earth. Otherwise, that power would have been latent. You know, it would have been in heaven. It would have been great, but it wouldn't have helped us here on earth. But he came down on earth and exercised that power. Equally, if he had not had gone to the cross and died, that power would not have raised him up there. So that power needs to be exercised. That power, you don't want to leave the power latent. Sometimes, guys, some of the situations you find us yourselves, we find ourselves, God is creating opportunities for us to exercise that power. Because without, you know, as they say, you need a test for a testimony. You know, what are you going to testify about if you haven't, if you haven't become, you know, enjoyed or experienced victory or, you know, being victorious over a situation, then you don't have a testimony to share. But we need to exercise that power. First of all, understand we have it, understand what it's about, and then exercise it. Now, the spirit of God is what created the earth, isn't it? And it brought the earth into being out of complete chaos. Did it not? The earth was without form, void. Complete chaos. Now, is it a different spirit that's operating in us? It's the same spirit. So if that spirit then... and that, Okay, it's the same spirit, but does the spirit change? Is it the same yesterday and to, um, forever? Or it changes depending on how we all perform? It's the same spirit. So if that spirit could create the heavens and the earth. Now sometimes you only need to sit in a quiet place. You know, maybe in a little garden or just look at a tree. In fact, I went to some shop, slight aside. I went to some shop. It might be on my phone, but we won't be able to project it. And the lady was sending, selling plants. And I saw the most amazing looking plant ever. I think they call it the cat plant. And feel free to grab me after. Let me show you the picture of this plant. And I saw this plant and I thought, if I didn't know there was a God before, today, 
I know there's a God. Because the thing was just awesome. So when you just look around, just in the little things, you see the bigness of our God and that spirit. And that's the spirit that operates within us. That means that spirit can create something beautiful out of any chaos we find ourselves in. Every chaos in our lives, that spirit can bring something beautiful out of. Because that is the same spirit yesterday, today, and forever. And nothing is too difficult for that spirit. Nothing is too big for that spirit. No hole is too deep for him to lift us out of. That is the God. That is the spirit that is dwelling within us. And the reality, guys, to be honest, we don't even have an option about cooperating with the spirit and about operating in the spirit. Because if we, if we decide that we're just going to leave it latent, we thank God for the spirit, but we don't operate and we don't tap into it, we will not accomplish the things God has called us to. Because what God desires for each and every one of us, each and every single one of us, it's beyond us. We need that spirit to propel us to go beyond the natural, to operate in the supernatural. That's what we're all called to do. If you think about it, someone like Peter, before he was very hesitant, not even hesitant, he just denied Christ. He didn't want to be shamed. He didn't want people to laugh at him, ridicule him. When he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, our man got boldness. Our man was going out there, preaching, ministering, it's the same Peter, but with a new spirit. Equally, when we tap into that spirit, think of the things. The reality is actually, you and I cannot begin to fathom what we could accomplish if we tapped into that spirit. And that is the truth. Because he already told us far beyond what we could ask or think. We can't even imagine it. But it's within us. Because the um, word says, he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. According to his word, all things, it's all there. He's given it to us already. It's not like God needs to create some new thing, some new miracle, some new something for us to be able to do it or for us to get our victory. It's already done. The power is already there. We just really need to, to grab it and, and appropriate it. Now, how do we grab it? How do we access this power? Any takers on how we access this power? Any thoughts, ideas? Prayer, meditating, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. That's the power without. That should become the power within. When, it, when we digest it, meditate and digest it, that it gets deep down within us. Go with me to Isaiah 55 verse 10, please. Are we there? For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it, uh, make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. It shall prosper, it shall accomplish, it shall not return to me void. 
It will not return to me empty. If I have said it, I will do it. Do you understand why I was establishing the, the veracity of God's word? That this is the truth. He said we have the spirit within him. That means that within us, that means it's true. He says that spirit is very powerful. That means it's true. Because he's, you know, how did God create heaven and earth? That's it. Pastor Carlton did a series about that, I think, at the end of last year. Words. He spoke it into being. Equally, we too need to speak things into being. Because we've already established that the power is within us. The power that created the heavens and the earth is within us. When we read the word and we meditate on his promises, if we decide that this thing is true, then we'll accept it and we embrace it and we work with it. If the Bible says I am healed, then I am healed. And sickness must bow down. It means sickness is the lie. And guys, you know, you, they, you know there's a difference between fact and truth. There's a difference between fact and truth. The fact is, I may be ill. Yes, it's a fact. But the truth is, I am healed. Fact is changeable. Truth is unchangeable. It does not change. It is not subject to the situation. It is not subject to the circumstance. It's not subject to how we feel. It is the truth. It is the truth. The word of God is the truth. So everything, at the name of Jesus, at the word of Jesus, because he's already told us he exalted his word above his name. So at the word, every knee shall bow down. Every tongue must confess. Amen? What happens is, we see the word, and then we think, huh, but I've been believing this thing, and it hasn't been coming to pass. So, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's not for me. Or, you know, the reality is, you know, I ask that question. The reality is sometimes we think even this God said, it's not that he's a liar. We won't be bold enough to say he's a liar. Sha, but. <laughs> you know what I mean? But. It's like, so, you know, some people will be thinking, all this that you're saying is just grammar because I've been believing for something for so long and it has not happened. Now, you remember the guys, um, when the Israelites were in Egypt, God had promised Abraham ages and ages before that there's a land I have given to your children. Now, these guys are in Egypt. It's not a case of one year, two years. It's not even a case of one decade, two decades. We're talking about centuries. Centuries before it came to pass. Is it that God's word was a lie when he said it to Abraham? It's just the timing. So guys, I just want to encourage us. Everything, I was going to take out my iPad, but not everything that is true. My Bible, take up your Bible. (laughs) Everything in your Bible is true. (laughs) Yeah, but it has, you know, you never know. It has the internet. There's a lot of lies there. Everything in the word of God is true. It is merely a timing difference. It is a timing difference. It's just often our timing, God's timing doesn't align. 
But he knows what it's do- he's doing. If we just trust that, you know what? He loves me. He cares for me. He's working all things together for my good. It means that when his timing is not right for me. So, you know, some people who know me, they know sometimes I have to speak Creole. Not all bad he mean. He doesn't mean anything bad for me. Because he loves me. He's already told me that his thoughts towards me are for good and not for evil. It means that he's working something else. It means he's so big. He sees the bigger picture, which I cannot see. You know, let me give you an example. You know, it's not revenge for when my husband came up here and, you know, was outing me about my music and everything. But, you know, when we were going out, you know, it got to a stage, I just thought, you know, I don't think this is going to work. I really, I just don't see, I, I just don't see it. So I broke up with this wonderful man here. <laughs> but the funny thing is, in fact, the only time I've felt, you know, the most, almost audible time I felt God speak to me was, there was a day which he was supposed to have come to see me. He hadn't come. He was late again. And I thought, right, Lord, I'm breaking up with him. And I just felt a strong <laughs> No. And I burst into tears because you just think, what do you mean I can't break up with him? I want to break up with him and you're saying no. But anyway, after a few months, I thought, forget this man, I'm breaking up with him. And I did break up with him. And then some months later, I was at church and the pastor was preaching on obedience. And I just felt God saying to me, but wait, Sonia Day, if I told you no then, what makes you think I've changed my mind? I said no. So in humble submission... (laughs) I came back. (laughs) But, you know, God is awesome because there are times now I just think, Lord, I didn't even know what I needed because, honestly, and I'm not just saying this, I couldn't have chosen a better man for myself. I couldn't have. It's the honest truth. Because I clearly didn't even know what, you know, my issue, part of my issue was, you know, he doesn't hold my hand the way I want him to. God knew what I needed. And he knew for my lifetime, not just for then. So equally, when God tells us certain things, or he doesn't do it when we want him to, how we want him to, it's not because he doesn't love us. He knows. He sees not just today, not just next year, not just the next decade. He sees the full picture. So guys, hold on to his word. And don't watch... What other people have gone through, you think, ah, but there was this sister. She was praying for healing and she died. She didn't go to the doctor because she was believing for healing and she died. Don't look at that because you cannot base your faith on other people's experiences. To be honest, not even on your own experiences. Because sometimes your experiences did not align with the word of God. And you don't know the other intricacies in that other person's situation. You just don't know. Maybe the sister was saying, I'm believing, I'm believing. Maybe she didn't even have faith. You just never know. The only thing that you know is true and doesn't change is the word of God. Am I making sense? Amen. Have you ever, I hadn't thought about this until I was reading. When God was creating heaven and earth, did he just chill? And think heaven. And then it came to being. 
Or did he just think earth? It's like, because I'm just channeling. Did he just sit there and saying, I'm just channeling, channeling, channeling. And earth came to being, no. He spoke it out. If God, the great God, sees the need to speak it out, then who are we? Do you know why he speaks it out? Because the Holy Spirit manifests the spoken word of God. Not the unspoken word of God. Think about it. There's so many things in the Bible on the iPad. (laughs) Just to be specific. (laughs) So many things. But when they remain unspoken, it is latent. We must speak the word of God. The power of confession. Confessing, confessing. When you find yourself in a situation, guys, next time, don't get flustered. Decide, I'm not going to be anxious. This one, I'm just refusing it. Go to the word of God. And you know, you have some Bibles, some, you know, these great study Bibles or different things. It says, okay, this is God's word for this particular situation. Basically, they're just, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of promises in the word of God. Promises. And the great thing about promises is the word of God, it's yea and amen. It is yea meaning yes and amen meaning so be it. So if we're praying the word of God, the comfort we have is that it's already been answered. It's already been answered. It's already been formed. The answer is already yes. We don't need a new answer. It is already yes. So you find yourself in a situation. Go to the word of God and take two or three promises about that particular situation and begin to confess it. Begin to speak it out. Speak it out in the morning, in the afternoon, in the night. Speak it out, speak it out, speak it out. Do you know what will happen? Fact will bow its knees to truth. Fact will have to bend down and say the truth. The truth is above the fact. But we also need to ensure that we align all our words with the word of God. You know what integrity is? Integrity is about... Being wholesome is about, you know, holistic. When we're not like this, like that, or whatever. It is about everything aligning with what we say we believe. I cannot say that I am, I believe that I am successful, for example. And that, yes, the king dwells in me. And... I can go before, you know, my gift will make a room for me to take me before kings and priests. But yet when I have to go and present to a board, for example, I just think, oh, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. You know, what, what, would I, what am I going to do? You know, this. I'm just not good enough. Then my word is not aligning with what I say I'm believing. And then my heart can even get confused. It's like, what am I supposed to believe? What am I supposed to grasp? Am I supposed to believe this woman's feelings or am I supposed to believe the word of God? You know, um, in the song we just sang, again, I just loved the fact that it was saying, let us be careful. Let's choose our words. And again, if we think that the power of God dwells within us and our words are prayers, we'll be very careful about what we say because we think, ha, The last thing we want is the Holy Spirit to go and bring into manifestation some of the things that we say. You know what I mean? (laughs) But the Holy Spirit hears everything. Equally, demons, they hear a lot of things. So the one that the Holy Spirit would think, oh, why is this woman saying this? 
the demons will be all too happy to go and bring it to, you know, into being. So we must ensure all our words align. And it's not easy. It helps when we put the word within us. Because, you know, it's what's in us that will come out. What I sow to is what will be built up. So if I'm reading the word of God, if I'm speaking it, if I'm meditating it, it gets in here. So when I open my mouth, it's the word of God that comes out. You know, you know just like rivers of flowing, you know, springs, waters. That's what will come out. And we'll begin to see that the world around us will be changing. Amen? So, years ago, a friend lent me a tape. And this thing always stuck in my mind. And it's, it's helped me a lot. Um, and it narrated the story about a woman who was in a terrible marriage. Terrible, terrible man- marriage. Her husband and her were not getting on. She had had enough. In fact, she was going to leave. And I think she went to the pastor and the pastor said, okay, you know what? For a period of time, I want you to begin to meditate and confess Philippians 4. Now, you don't need to go to it. I'll just, I'll just go to it for, for all of us very quickly. Philippians 4, I think 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the woman decided this is what she was going to do with her husband. She was going to stop picking up all the negative bits about the husband and complaining and just thinking, oh, this is my husband. She was just going to meditate on the truth and meditate on all the positive things about her husband, even where it is there are positive things, you speak the word of God in the life of your husband so his life too can conform. It brought transformation. It rescued that woman's marriage. Now it may be that some of us, it might be our marriage. It may be our work situation. It may be our health. But if we begin to hang on to Philippians 4, 8, And meditate on the things that are true and just and praiseworthy. We will begin to see how it is changing our lives. How it is changing our situation. How it is changing our bodies. How it's changing our thinking. How it's changing our speech. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Revelations 12, 11 says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. How many overcomers do we have in the house? Ah, what kind of weak overcomers in this? <laughs> Let me hear you over by the word of the lamb. We've got to hear this. Amen. Amen. And you need to have that kind of, I'm going to overcome, you know, I'm going over, I'm not under. You know, again, just want leave you with one last example. Um, uh, finished university I used to work in the accountancy firm it used to be Arthur Anderson Um, it used to be Arthur Anderson when I was there but some of us know what happened to Arthur Anderson it did go under Um, and I was auditing now I hated auditing honestly no exaggeration sometimes I just used to look at the cleaners with envy thinking (laughs) how easy your life is (laughs) I have to audit I hate this thing and I just I was not doing well I was not I just was not flowing. I was not prospering. And it got to a stage, I decided to 
change my confession. Now, literally when I left the house, going towards the train station, I used to begin my confessions. And I'm not faking. The reality is until today, I do my confessions as I'm in the car, saying I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I'm going over, I'm not going under. Greater is the one that, he, that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, I am more than an overcomer. I am victorious through Christ. And literally, that was my confession as I was going to work. And my situation changed. God transformed the whole situation. So I just want to encourage you, no matter what the situation, find the word, find the promise. There's no situation that there isn't a promise in this word that it could speak to. Just hang on to those promises and speak it into being. And do not get weary of doing good. Do not get tired. When you feel tired, say, Holy Spirit, you are my helper. Come alongside me and help me. Speak to a few people. Say, encourage me. Pray for me. I'm feeling weak. Ask the Holy Spirit, strengthen me with might in my inner man. And then you keep going and you keep confessing and you keep confessing until the fact bows to the truth. Amen. Let's stand with me, please. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you because your truth is immutable. It is unchangeable. Your truth, your truth, your truth, Father God, is bigger. It's bigger. You said you exalted your word above your name. Father God, therefore, we just bring every situation into this room now. Father God, we pray that as we leave, no one will leave dejected or despondent. But we will go home and we'll take time and we'll go to your word. We'll go to your word and we'll find your promises. And we will meditate on your promise. Knowing that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Knowing that the Holy Spirit brings into manifestation the spoken word, Father God. Thank you because your word is truth. Thank you for the earth assurance. Thank you because you're not a man that you should lie. Neither are you the son of man that you should change your mind. Father God, we just surrender everything and surrender ourselves to you. Have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.